Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody and welcome uh, to this brand new spoiler review episode for Ahsoka here from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Well, we're back at it again, and what an episode for us to be coming back to review Ahsoka for Episode Four: Fallen Jedi. So much going on in this episode, and again, this is a spoiler review. So if you clicked on it because you saw our pretty faces and you wanted to hang out with us, this is a spoiler review. So if you have not seen episode four, go and do that and, and then come back and hang out with us. But if you don't care, then keep on hanging out with us because we're going to break it all down and talk about it here in this episode. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work right now on YouTube with the third season of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City. Yeah. Did you get two two weeks in a row, right? Yeah. Nice. Two weeks in a row, Shannon Scripps. Good job, guy. I did that for you on purpose. What are you striking for? You got all this work. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's so much to get into here. <laughs> but first, wait. Oh, I'm in the world between worlds. I'm in the world between worlds. No, no, no. That's so much to get into and talk about here on this episode. Uh, this one directed by Peter Ramsey of Spider-Verse fame and also written by Dave Filoni. Now, Peter Ramsey directed an episode of The Mandalorian in season three which someone very correctly pointed out to me uh, but this episode i thought was incredible and one of the most uh, underwritten log lines you're ever gonna hear about an episode hera risks her career to help her friends while ahsoka and sabine confront enemies holy shit is there so much more that happened in this episode here and we're gonna break it all down but first let's hear overall thoughts michael vogel your thoughts on this one a longer episode than last episode but a lot of lightsaber battles and then a massive surprise at the end and even conversations about stuff from the past and philosophies and things of that nature. So your thoughts overall on this uh, fourth episode, Mike? My overall. So I loved this episode. I will mm -hmm. say, uh, mm -hmm. and it's mainly because my brother came back from Burning Man and was watching some old Andor episodes before we popped on episode four of Ahsoka. Mm. And I will say, and I don't know if this is Filoni's jump from, uh, lot from animation to live action or what like there's a little bit of a stiffness to ev to all the like there's a stiffness to everything in the way it happens hmm. uh some of the dialogue that that kind of pulls me out sometimes but that is a that is my one minor quibble that i will give you in an episode that i otherwise absolutely loved i think yeah. we got obviously um we got to me one of the funniest reveals of a character in the history of Star Wars with our good buddy Maroke, uh, yes. which we will hit on. I, uh, I have never laughed so hard and so full in my life as I did <laughs> when, uh, when, when, when all those internet theories literally went up in smoke. Hey, uh, can't wait to get there. But yes, obviously the ending was huge. But we even got a little bit more information about what happened between. Sabine and Ahsoka uh, yes. and why why they kind of split ways in the past. So filling some of the gaps of the stuff we don't know, really moving the story forward in a major way. Uh, and yeah, that ending, if you, uh, if you are uh, a, a Star Wars fan who loves the prequels and loves Clone Wars and loves Ahsoka, like that ending was killer. So yeah. a lot of really, really great stuff, like a lot, lot, a lot to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to get into all of it for sure. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts overall here, as Michael mentioned, a lot of stuff that was talked about, some uh, some 
uh, stuff in the background filled in. We even get a Carson Teva appearance. Um, and uh, then that, fina- that finale that was so shocking, yet uh, so perfectly done. Your thoughts? Uh, you know what? I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I do agree, and that that has been a very common critique with people, is that the performances do seem a little stiff. And I, I think for the most part, I've given a pass on that because like these are people that are not necessarily comfortable with, comfortable with each other. Yeah. That uh, Ahsoka and Sabine haven't uh, haven't been together in a long time, and there is there is just sort of a a, a chilliness to their relationship that is at the beginning of this episode starting to thaw a little bit. Um, but I mean, again, this is just another great showcase for Ray Stevenson. Um, yeah. Yeah. He is just. I, I mean, I hope we just continue to find out more and more about him. Um, because he just does Balin Skull is just such a fascinating character right now. And again, even though he is clearly a bad guy, he is a bad guy with some honor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did. I did really enjoy it. I mean, we got we got a couple of couple of nice uh, lightsaber duels. Um, we got that very, very big reveal at the end. And we got the introduction, um, the first real live action introduction of the ghost again. Not, not counting. Yeah. Her, that was real fast. Or no, uh, uh, Skywalker. Cause that was real fast. Yeah. Um, but to see, to see the live action ghost um, that again, as a rebels fan, that was just really, really nice. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. I really enjoyed it as well. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, watched it last night, immediately jumped on and did an instant reaction. Cause I just had to talk about it with people. Uh, and it was great to see so many people kind of dialed in and feeling the same way. You know, sometimes with star Wars, you can really like it. And then all these people are like, it was terrible. It was not good. Blah, blah. But it seemed to be the consensus overall that people reacting in such positive ways about this episode. And I take both of your critiques, of course, into consideration and valid critiques for sure. But, you know, for me, there's always been a stiffness with Star Wars. It hasn't been like free loosey-goosey, free balling all over the place. There's been a lot of stiffness, mostly from George Lucas's dialogue that has made it stiff. So for me, it hasn't been a difficult transition. Although, Michael, you are correct. You can notice it that there is a difference in the translation a little because essentially a lot of people called it star Wars rebels season five. And it feels that way as you watch it as well, because of some of the stiffness that was in the animation in that series as well. So I understand that, but to me, the lightsaber battles were fantastic and the conversations, I mean, Balin saying stuff about uh, Anakin and about the legacy of him and Ahsoka being death and destruction him also saying, you know, well, he spoke of you highly. Well, it's funny. Never talked about you with a little shade going back and forth there. And then seeing some of the moves. I mean, when Ahsoka senses that Morgan is close to getting those coordinates, she essentially becomes Catherine Zeta-Jones in Entrapment, and she is just dancing around the red lines all the way to get to that uh, prize thing. And then we see what happens to her. It isn't a happy ending essentially she might of course probably not dead but still the feeling is that uh Balin bested her in that moment even even though she was in a weakened state uh and and uh Sabine was there Balin ends up besting her so there's a lot here and then I think we got a lot more with Ivana Sakno doing a great job as Shin Hati as well I mean the stairs between her and Natasha Liu Bordizzo I thought were fantastic so a lot of good acting and Peter Ramsey's direction was on point here uh, and the visuals of it all were so, so well done as well. Plus, I mean, uh, Hera, I, I know you got to take your son to work day, but I think you went a little far with this one, uh, putting him in danger, uh, uh, Jason, there. So but we're going to talk about it all. We're going to break it on down into three sections here. So I'm going to just toss out some basic stuff that happened, and the gentleman uh, uh, below me and next to me are going to fill in the uh, spots there. All right, let's get on. We start out on Sitos with Huyang and Sabine repairing the T-6 shuttle. Ahsoka's contemplating something outside the ship, as she always is. Ahsoka wants to know if Sabine will do the right thing and sacrifice sacrifice the map if they can't get to Ezra so they can stop Thrawn from returning. Sabine tells Ahsoka what she wants to hear, but it's a little bit fishy when you're watching it. And uh, Ahsoka, continuing this later on in the ship, uh, says uh, this line, sometimes we have to do what's right regardless of personal feelings. Is that an Anakin reference? Is that other references? Is this a Mandalore reference? I don't know. So there's a lot with that line, I think, that'll have some meaning. Huyang is outside and is attacked by the guards, and we get some droid martial arts, which I thought was pretty cool to see there. Sabine and Ahsoka sense what's going on there, jump out and fight them off. They head out to the ground base together after telling Huyang to get in touch with Hera. Huyang tells them to fight together, and they respond playfully uh, about fighting together. At the Henge, Shin says they found Ahsoka's ship, 
12 clicks away, because apparently we're using American military jargon. We see Morgan loading over the droids, making the hyperspace jump calculations. Morgan talks about getting rid of Ahsoka, but she thinks she senses fear in Balin. But Balin says it's not fear, it's experience. She tells him to have faith, and he says that he lost that a while ago, and then says the word witchcraft when he sees what she can do with that map. Um, the map has a familiar look to it, in my opinion. It starts transmitting coordinates, and then we see Hera taken off from home one with her son, Jason, uh, and she is joined by Carson Teva and five other X-Wing fighters, uh, leading Phoenix Squadron, and leaves a poor lieutenant to have to explain it all uh, there uh, to the people at home one. And, I, and I'm going to end the section by saying, is this the Rangers of the New Republic? So just uh, these questions here overall. So, Michael, your thoughts as we get this opening here by the ship, uh, the guard, them fighting off the guards, Ahsoka and Sabine having that conversation about the space map, and then uh, Hera and um, she, uh, uh, Carson Teva there uh, having that conversation, and Balin and Morgan. Yeah, something that I found really interesting at the beginning. I love that we just dove right back in, like picking up right where we left off uh, from the week before in episode three. But this whole conversation that Ahsoka has with Sabine about like, you know, uh, will you do what what needs to be done? Like, can I trust you? Can I count on you? It's interesting because I had this sort of weird reaction of, would the Ahsoka that we know do that? Or would the Ahsoka Mm. that we know go... No, we're going to save Ezra no matter what, and we'll deal Mm. with whatever else comes. Now, I think that there's a strong case to be made that we don't know as much of Ahsoka post her realization. Like, basically, and I think people need to keep this in mind, because I've been thinking about this too. Like, even though we saw Ahsoka in Rebels, and she had made it through the Clone Wars, she had made it through Order 66, she came back to Bail Organa, said, I'm in, she became Fulcrum. The last thing that really happens is she fights Anakin. And then she gets pulled out of the world between worlds, and we see her briefly with Ezra near the end of Rebels, but that's all we really see of her. So her her knowledge of what happened to Anakin and how that affects her as a character is something we've not seen as much. And it feels like whatever happened between her and Sabine and where she is now and some of these decisions are really, really colored by this really complicated relationship <clears throat> with her former master. And it seems like this Ezra decision to me is one of those things where it's like feeling this pressure that you just can't let stuff like this happen again. And I hope that they lean into that. I hope that this next episode that we get with her and Anakin, and I hope that whatever, wherever Ahsoka comes out at the end of the season is a little bit of that journey of sort of the the PTSD of going, did I really fuck up? Like, should I have left the Jedi order? Yeah. Had I not what would have happened? Like, you know, is, could I have done more? Could I have done something differently? So I think her really struggling with those demons, if that is the case, like the whole conversation with her and Sabine, as much as I was like, ain't no way Sabine is letting Ezra go. So we all know <laughs> that. But uh, but I thought I thought where Ahsoka was coming from, I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, Hu Yang fighting those assassin droids. Uh, C-3PO could never. <laughs> C-3PO could never. Um, yeah. He is. He is just, I mean, I really liked him when he appeared in Clone Wars, but he is really rising up the ranks to be a really, really fun droid. He is, he's sort of the perfect droid chaperone to be there for both Sabine and for Ahsoka. And I really love everything uh, about him. And then um, them coming out. Yeah. Just lightsaber. Awesome sauce. And and really fun. I mean, I think it's the first time that we see Sabine coming out full helmet, full Mandalorian, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. looking like she stepped right out of Clone Wars. And it was really thrilling to watch the two of them fight. And I really do think a big part of this series is S- Sabine does better when she fights as a Mandalorian. Mm, and, yeah, I, right. and, you yeah. know, like Ahsoka said to Hu Yang, ah- Ahsoka said to Hu Yang a couple episodes ago, like, I don't need her to be a Jedi. I, n- I need her to be herself. And I really think... I'm, I'm interested to see where this journey goes for Sabine. And, and we talked about it last week, what this sort of means about the force and force users as mm. a whole. Um, you know, I think a lot of people corrected me in the, uh, in the chat when we were talking about the way that the force is treated in star Wars saying that George Lucas has said from early on that everybody has access to the force. It's just yeah. that some people have more natural talent than others. And that the Jedi historically have gone for those high midi chlorian counts because those are the people that are going to be stronger, but that, Anybody could use it. And so what that means for what Sabine becomes, I think, is going to be interesting. But they, they make a pretty strong case for her, like, rocking it as a Mandalorian, mm-hmm. uh, more so than as a Jedi. And so I thought that was really, really interesting. Everything, like I said last week, everything with our villains is great because each of our villains is totally different and has a different perspective. 
you've got you got you've got Morgan Elsbeth sort of like night sistering it up with all her like weird witchcraft and weird sort of mysterious stuff. Yeah. You got Shin Hati like a fucking rabid dog on a chain just being ready to be let loose. I mean, that girl just wants to fight with her dark side. And then as Shin said, as Shin, as Shannon said, uh Balin just has this weird really cool honor to him like he is a villain that you genuinely like like it's like you yeah. like like he is he's got a soothing way of talking he seems very smart um in in this episode at the begin like at the very beginning of the episode like you said John when Morgan Elizabeth is like do I sense fear and he's just like experience yeah just he's like it's it he just feels like he is so grounded and is so secure in whatever his stance is, whatever he thinks is going to happen by bringing Thrawn back. He is not, there is no conflict in this man. Yeah. He is very secure in his decisions. Uh, and I think it's really, really great to see. Totally agree. I really just wish they had just had Jason stow away and Hera get mad about it because I was yes. like, wait, <laughs> I was like, wait, Hera, I love you, girl. Um, you defied the new Republic Right. Hopped in a plant, hopped in your ship to fly to a highly dangerous area where dangerous shit is going on, where you lost contact with Ahsoka and Sabine, and you said, "Come on, kid, let's go." I can't Look, find a babysitter. You gotta go with me. I know, I know that's Kanan's son, but but you know, like I get it. I mean, I think him being there is going to be really important. I think it's like Jason's journey uh, as someone who probably has a more natural talent with the force than Sabine does. It's probably important that he's along on this journey. So I'm here for it. I just was like, yeah, that was a little silly. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Uh, very interesting to see how that's going to play out uh, here and what's going to happen as a result of this. And why is he in the uh, ship there and how he reacts to it all for sure. Um, Shannon, your thoughts on all of this and uh, you know, we'll get Carson Teva as a part of this, but also the conversations that go on here and, Balin, uh becoming a very unique i won't go so far as to call him a villain i know other people are and i'm creating someone said i'm creating skull island skull island so uh, that's fine i just don't <laughs> necessarily see him as a villain just yet in the classic sense because we don't know why he's doing the things that he's doing and she, uh, michael you put it out so well there is no conflict in what he's doing He's I mean, very clear. So he killed a bunch of people in the very first episode. So you remember did Anakin. That part, right? Everybody loves Anakin now. So you, all right, go ahead. Anakin Shane, became Anakin became space Hitler. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you know, you know, go ahead. That lightsaber color is way closer to red. <laughs> it is the blue. I realize it's orange, but it's way closer to bad guy color than a good guy color. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I I really enjoyed the opening, and the thing that I really liked about Ahsoka's point of view here is she is painfully aware of they are on the enemy's turf right now. Yeah. And yeah. aside from being able to, um, you know, kind of, you know, feel what Sabine is feeling right now, um, kind of like, hey, we are right now, at this moment, we are at a disadvantage. Yeah. If push comes to shove, are you going to be with me? Um, so I thought that was a really, that you know, that was a really interesting conversation to have. And uh, I thought Rosario Dawson did a really, really good job there. Um, uh, again, Hu Yang, he is, he, he is C-3PO meets K-2SO. Like he has the <laughs> protocol of C-3PO and the, the semi-battle skills of K-2SO. Like I love when he first started fighting that assassin droid that he's kind of holding his own fat, fat, but a little slow, but is able to counter these moves. And at the moment where the assassin droid really has, has, uh, has one up on him, just that help, help. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, would, that, that is, that, that is 100% some, the way some folks would act in an emergency. Like, all you can get out is the word help. Yeah. And then, you know, ripping the, the wiring out that he just fixed as a way to signal um, uh, uh, Sabine and Ahsoka, I was like, ah, oh, that's really smart. Um, one of the things with the action, um, because mm -hmm. I do, I, I do really yeah. enjoy the action in the show is there can be what could be perceived as a slight lack of urgency on mm -hmm. Ahsoka's part. And I'm wondering if that has anything to do with that giant thing <laughs> that Rosario Dawson has to wear on her head. Mm. Um, because even like the, the scene where she's chasing after, uh, Maroc, um, in, ep uh, episode two, like you can see, like there is, there is a stiltedness to some of her movements. Mm. And so I, I do wonder if that has to do 
with that uh, Togruta, you know, uh, appliance. But the thing that I really liked about this action sequence was you get to see a Jedi and a Mandalorian fight together. And, you know, traditionally mm -hmm. those two are enemies. Um, and you see how well Sabine does, as Vogel already said, as a Mandalorian working with a Jedi. Um, you know, you know, firing the cable and everything. Uh, I love Ahsoka using a soldier as cover so yeah. uh, Sabine can, you know, regain her footing. I was like, oh, this is this is a lot. This is this is Butch and Sundance stuff. Like this is uh, this this pair that just works really well together, which Hu Yang then very astutely says like, hey, don't leave each other <laughs> because that's when you all that's when you all are the best. Again, uh, Balen Skull, just such a cool character. And, and not to be outdone by Shin Hadi. I mean, uh, Ivana Sokno. I mean, she yeah. just has that piercing stare. Like the type of stare that your partner gives you when you've done something wrong. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. It's, it's the painting on the wall. It doesn't matter where you go in the room. That stare <laughs> is absolutely following you. Um, yeah, I, I had the same thing when Harris bring, <laughs> bringing Jason on in this shit. It's like, I, he, he, obviously for the story, he has to go. <laughs> but this, I think this would have been a fun thing for Chopper to have smuggled him on. Uh, and I think that would have oh, been interesting, interesting with the character. I mean, uh, that little, that little chaos droid does whatever he wants. So that is true. It's a good <laughs> that point. That would have worked. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. the the inclusion of Carson Teva in this, um, you know, even way back when, before before uh, uh, Gina Carano went all the way to the dark side, um, even back then, I'm like, if you had told me there there could be a Rangers of the New Republic series with this character, this this character, I'm like, Dad from Kim's Convenience, the Dad from Kim's Convenience, that's the guy I want to see. I want to see him and Cobb Vanth teaming up together Ooh. and and going around going around the new republic um but yeah and again just seeing the seeing the live action ghost that again brought a brought a little a little smile to my rebel fans heart yeah yeah agree with all your points uh, that you guys are saying great beginning because if you if you know where you're going you want to slowly get there like this little exchange conversation laying the groundwork laying the seeds for the critical thing that's going to happen later on in the episode the back and forth about it and certainly hinting at some of the decisions that Ahsoka's had to make in her life. This is an older Ahsoka, and I think Mikey pointed out so well. We don't know what she's been through since she found out about Anakin. That is a trauma that's deep and hard for her to come to terms with and negotiate and navigate. And clearly there might be some residue from what uh, Balin alludes to later on in the episode between her and Sabine about what happened on Mandalore. So what is that all that she's carrying here? So, having this, so there's a lot of weight in their exchanges back and forth about the things that need to be done here. Uh, and Ahsoka has a harder edge to her, and very much a cutthroat, uh, a, a sharper edge, rather, uh, get to the what needs to be done. And the bigger the bigger thing is important here, get, stopping Thrawn from coming back. Yes, we'll lose Ezra, and I'm sorry, but we have to stop Thrawn from coming. That's very big for her. So I like that that's highlighted here in this opening. Love the Morgan and, and, um, and Balin uh, chemistry there between the two. I may not be the biggest fan, of what Diana Leona Santo is doing with Morgan Elsbeth, but I, I like her interactions with, with Balin and the back and forth. And you're right about Shin, Shannon. I mean, Ivana does so much with the eyes. So much is going on when you're looking at the eyes. There's so much that she's navigating and so much trauma and hurt and pain and anger. And she's just as lost as Sabine in a different way, which is why I think they're a fantastic matchup versus each other because they're both damaged from shit in the past, not 100% complete, in their construction, her as a full-on Mandalorian Jedi, her as a full-on whatever she is under Balin's uh, uh, guidance. So I like that they mirror each other here overall. And yes, Hera, I mean, but then again, Hera went into the wars as a young girl with her dad. So, I mean, maybe for her, it's like, this is tradition. Get in it, you know? So I don't know. Very interesting stuff. But let's take a quick break, and we'll jump into the next section of the show uh, and break that down, too, as well, right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture. That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production 
production of The Tempest. And I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents with the code BUDDIES. B-U-D-D-I-E-S. Simply visit Marquee.tv and use the promo code BUDDIES to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Get three months for just 99 cents. Visit Marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now. Use code BUDDIES. Explore the extensive library of performances on Marquee TV today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media. Um. Bum, 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 bum. All right, nice. next section. Right. When last we left Ahsoka and Sabine, they were running towards home base. Uh, Shin and Merrick are waiting for Ahsoka and Sabine. This is awesome. Just sitting there waiting for them. And then a dual fight breaks out between both Shin versus Sabine. Love the looks between both of them here. Blaster, Sabres, and then Sabine gets the best of her with a force trick using her Mandalorian weapons there. And Shin gets away with a smoke bomb after what happens when Ahsoka takes out the map, which is a little bit later in our discussion. But but then Ahsoka battles American in an awesome sequence here that, for me, absolutely evokes the Twin Suns episode from Rebels between Maul and Kenobi in that ending there between them. And then she turns Merrick into dust. Very samurai-like, very much a thing. And so, as Michael said, all your theories go up and smoke and i saw some people speculating that it might mean that because of the blast of the green eyeshore that he is a knight brother from dathomir brought back to life by uh by morgan elsbeth so that's very possible here uh um and then we see balin calmly waiting for ahsoka after ahsoka takes care of marika shin i mean uh, sabine tells her to go ahead and handle things with the space map she's got shin hati which really offends Shin Hati. I love the look on Ivana Sakno's face. Like, you dare to think you can go toe-to-toe with me? I just lanced you earlier. Anyway, uh, Balin plays mind tricks on her. He is waiting calmly like an old samurai as well. The hood on, takes the hood down, plays these mind tricks on her, talking about Anakin and the past. Uh, As I said, she said he never mentioned you. Balin says you must destroy in order to create talks about her and Anakin's uh, legacy of death and destruction. And to me, they have a fantastic lightsaber battle of differing styles. Someone described it on Twitter as him uh, swinging it like a broadsword, which I thought worked very well with what he was doing here. Uh, and they talk and they uh, uh, until Ahsoka senses that Morgan is getting close uh, to getting the coordinates. And we see that happening at the same time. So she pulls a bunch of moves to get to the map and removes it with her own hand, burning herself Balin takes advantage of this, goes after her. Then Shin Hati shows up after she had dropped that smoke bomb and escaped from Sabine. And Ahsoka force launches her into the rocks. I thought she killed Shin because that was a headshot right into the rocks. Then Sabine shows up and Ahsoka tells her to destroy the map. Sabine pulls the gun out, can't do it. And that gives the opportunity for Balin to best Ahsoka and knock her off the cliff. Shannon, uh, let's stop there. A lot of action sequences, two lightsaber, or well, three lightsaber battles here uh, overall, but a lot of action sequences leading to uh, Ahsoka getting knocked off the cliff. Your thoughts on everything that happened here? Yeah, I thought this was fun. I do think this is some of the some of the stiffness that's been talked about. I do think uh, uh, mm. some of it could be eliminated by the tightening up of moments, like when okay. uh, Ahsoka and Sabine are running in and they find and they find Shin and Maroke standing there. There is sort of like this elongated bead of Shin hopping off, you know, hopping to lower ground, taking off her cloak, going somewhere. Like, I think that whole thing could have been tightened up just a little bit. And I think you You guys don't like samurai movies. Anyway, go ahead. ahead. (laughs) We're not talking about a samurai movie right now. (laughs) But the, 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 the fights back and forth were a lot of fun. And even though... Shin did kind of play Sabine a little bit, like let me get her, let me, let's split these two up. 
um, the moment that uh, Sabine does have to take out her lightsaber. I mean, when she gets force pushed and it knocks her helmet off, yeah. I mean, you know, she gets her she gets her uh, her clock cleaned at that point. But you see that there ha- there is a bit of an improvement in her lightsaber game. I was thinking for sure. I'm like, oh, something's going to happen. She's going to lose her sight, and that's going to be a callback to episode two. Eh, not hasn't happened yet. Um, going to uh, uh, Ahsoka and Maroke. Uh, you know, sometimes when a, a bad guy takes off their mask, sometimes it's a, it's it's a little more metaphorical. And instead of a mask coming off, it's green. It's green magical space dust that flies out. That lets you know, like, oh, this character is kind of like Savage Opress. So it, it, metaphorically. He 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 was unmasked. Um, uh, the 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 rest of the fight between Sabine and Shin I thought was a lot of fun. And that moment where she puts her hand up, yeah. and that kind of you know that kind of Mandalorian fake out, and Shin realizing in that moment that she has she's able to take a second and be like, "Oh, you have no power." And that fake out, I was like, "Oh, that's that's a that's a fantastic move." And then you know we get to see her kind of Batman smoke bomb out. Um, the back and forth between Ahsoka and Balin, this was probably my favorite part of yeah. the episode. Yeah. That it's this, they're not negotiations, but it's sort of like, the, okay, this is who you are, this is who I am, this is what we're doing. Um, and that sort of, up to this point, we've not really, I don't think we've seen uh, Ahsoka take off her take off her cloak before she's had to fight and this is the first time that she you know game recognizing game like all right now this is gonna this is gonna be a fight and i thought the broadsword comparison was great very vader like like these Mm. big strong strokes Um, and at the same time ahsoka again is more like a dancer like you see her using her foot to 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 brace herself we see balin you know throw a boulder at her again very very vader like so I thought that fight was a lot of fun. And that moment where you, as you already said, John, she sees Shin by herself and she is picturing, she is picturing the worst right now. Oh, yeah. Sabine's gone. I, I did it again. I messed up again. And the force, which, which she throws Shin, I was like, Oh my God, I, 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 I didn't think she was dead, but I thought for sure, like, Oh, she's, she's jacked up right now. Um, the moment where she grabs the map. And again, because we know that Morgan Elsbeth is a, is a night sister, that there is some sort of, uh, you know, magic in, in that map right now that really kind of uh, uh, hobbles her a little bit. And then when Sabine shows up and has the black, I mean, that was just a great, great sequence. Um, and the way Balin talks to her, he makes sense. He well, makes sense there. He We're is so. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, have yeah, we not yeah. gotten to that part yet? Not yet, not yet. No. Oh, sorry about we'll that. All right, that. sorry. I'm done. Okay, all right, uh, Michael, you're awesome. <laughs> Everything that happened to you. I, I, here's what I think. I think, I think that Dave Filoni was sitting around and was like, "Hey guys, you know how George Lucas introduced Boba Fett and everybody lost their mind, and then three years later, <laughs> Return of the Jedi came out and he just dumped him in the Sarlacc pick like a chump, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah.' He's like, "Bet we could do it better in three episodes." <laughs> And they did. I just, everything that happened with Maroke makes me love everything that we as Star Wars fans are. Yeah. I mean, people were combing the credits. Sam Witwer was credited. What does this mean? And Maroke means wolf, and Ezra has the Loth wolves, and Filoni loves wolves, therefore it's this. But in the Air of the Empire novels, Luke faced a clone of himself, and therefore this. Like, people had their theories, and they were running with it. And when she, and I will also say, yeah. when, because sometimes when you watch the previously on, uh, on these episodes, and you yeah. see what they focus on, you're like, okay, and they focused a good bit on Ezra. Like, Ezra came up a lot in the previously on. And then the title was Fallen Jedi. And I was like, oh, fuck, man, everyone's right, and they're about to reveal that Ezra <laughs> is the Fallen Jedi, and they're going to reveal that he something happened, and he's Maroke, and he fell. God damn it. And then this battle happens, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Here it is. And it actually, like, before you get to the smoky ending, it is a great battle. I mean, John, you're right. Very, uh, like, just very awesome. Uh, mm. Definitely Twin Suns reminiscent. Definitely right. reminiscent of Ahsoka's episode, one of the the final episode of Ahsoka's in the Jedi, uh, Tales of the Jedi, Good where she faced you. the other Inquisitor, right. um, where she just in two swift moves took him down like just showing like the maturity of ahsoka as a jedi that she's a badass she can dance and move with those lightsabers but when when she needs to she is 
calm and focused and it was great. And then just to see him burst into night sister smoke, I, I just giggled. I was like, okay, here we go. Like this is just, it was like, I heard the sound of thousands of geeks screaming out all at once. <laughs> like it was, it was a thing of beauty. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, so then Ahsoka runs off. You got Shin Hati versus uh, Sabine, and I think Shannon nailed all the big moments, but it really was like seeing her hold her own again, yeah. holding her own more as a Mandalorian than as a Jedi, um, and trusting herself in a way that she didn't trust herself as much at the end of the first episode. And maybe not fully defeating Shin Hati, but giving her enough of a pause to have Shin hightail it out of there. Yeah. Um, thought was really, really great. And then, yeah, this whole scene with Ahsoka and Balin, just it, he, 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 they do a great job. Dave Filoni does a great job writing this scene, as well as the scene with Sabine and Balin that we'll get to in a minute mm. where there's a lot that's said, but there's also a lot that's not said that wants you to know more. You know, like they're yeah. like, we are all just chomping at the bit to know Balin's origin story. When was he in the Jedi Order? Yeah, when was yeah. he out of the Jedi Order? Why did he leave the Jedi Order? How well did he know Anakin? Like you just, you want to know these things. Um, and Ahsoka just being like, I'm not going to fall for your tricks. I'm not here to talk about my past. I'm not here to talk about Anakin. I'm not here for you to like lure me with your dark side mumbo jumbo. Like, I'm here for this map and that's what's happening. Like it was just two, as Shannon said, two very matter of fact adults yeah. having a matter of fact adult conversation with lightsabers. Um, and yeah, he was a fucking bruiser with that thing. Like it was a very, very compelling, awesome lightsaber battle. Um, and when Ahsoka thought that Shin, when Shin Hati shows up and she thought the worst, yeah, like she let loose a little bit. Like she was upset. Like I don't know what happened between Ahsoka and Sabine, but I am definitely wanting to know more. Um, and then, yeah, her burning her hand on the treasure planet globe was uh, <laughs> was interesting. And I'm not sure if the, a lot of people are saying the burning of the hand is what kind of let her get into the world between worlds at the end, which we'll get to. I'm not sure, oh, but like definitely, okay. definitely not unintentional that she burned that hand. Like it was right. a very clear moment. Um, cool that it, I mean, cool and interesting because of the night sister magic and everything else, but not sure if there's more to it than just like that was a really hot globe, but it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. The star Wars Tesseract. That's what that was. So you can't <laughs> always hold it. But yeah, the burning of the hands issue, Mike, I hadn't thought about the, I hadn't heard that about that could be a little bit of the magic that got her into the world between worlds. That's pretty cool to consider in that whole sequence uh, for sure. But her reaction to it all is pretty strong. She, I mean, she still fights back uh, to Balin and then eventually, yeah. you know, uh, does succumb to what he's doing, but it's, it's great the way they build to it, right? Giving her the, the samurai moment and then heading into this massive battle with him. Um, who's his equal, as you said, Shannon, this is her equal rather back and forth in what they're doing. I just really enjoyed all of that and got to savor it so much. And you're looking at the fight choreography too, right? Because we know he's an older guy. She's a bit younger, so she's going to use different moves than he uses. But as you said, Michael, the brutal strokes that he's taking can kind of blunt some of those faster moves. That may, I mean, there was a sequence where she's putting her foot, like she's she's horizontal with her feet against the rock as she's trying to manipulate, uh, um, manipulate around him. But also the conversation... And it's what you alluded to earlier, Michael. Balin is clearly laying out like, yes, he's coming. And there's something and it's the right thing to do. And he's not bringing war. You guys are going to bring the war. But what he's got to do, what has to happen, this has to happen. And it's very matter of fact. And there's nothing you can say to convince me otherwise. I'm very clear about what I'm doing, which is why after it was over, I'm in my mind, I'm like, I don't know if he's a villain. What is the motivation? I need to see what the motivation is for why he's doing the things he's doing. Cause as we're about to see Sabine gives him the map. So is she kind of a villain? Cause she wants selfishly to have Ezra back, even if it means millions of people might die at Thrawn's hand. So these are these questions you have. What is the line of villainy here? What is his real purpose? What is his real motivation? Uh, and we don't know yet. We know Morgan. She's clearly a villain, but what is, is Balin? What's her motivation? How do you know uh, she's to bring back a guy who she knows is going to destroy half the galaxy and subjugate everybody to his will? 
Well, but right? but Balin knows that too. He says you need to destroy to create. So he also knows. Purpose? Right. What's he trying to destroy though? And why is he trying to destroy it? Well, why is Morgan why. trying to destroy it? Maybe Morgan's a good I guy. I don't know. And I don't care, to be honest with you. Balin's wow. the more interesting character. Balin's the more interesting character. Just find this uh, very, uh, I like your uh, cherry picking of uh, motivations here <laughs> for your villain versus not villain. We always do that. Cherry pick. All right, let's take a big quick break. And then we'll jump into the last <laughs> section of the show here right after this. <laughs> All right. Anyway, as we were saying here, let's go back. Let's hit the last section of the show. Balin turns to talk to Sabine. And a lot of people are speculating that he's using the force combined with empathy to talk to her. This isn't a, this isn't a Jedi mind trick. He is actually talking to her about this stuff. He channels her knowledge of Ezra channels what happened to her family on Mandalore brings that up and that Ahsoka may have been a part of what happened to her family. And in essence, implying that Ezra is the last family she has left. So that eventually convinces Sabine to give him the map. He says they both want to go to the same place that her Mandalorian family. I say, Oh, that right. Sorry. I already said all that. And that Ezra will be coming back along with Thrawn. So he puts the map back into place. Morgan gets the final coordinates. Balin destroys the map after that and takes Sabine Shin and himself to the Eye of Scion. Hera and the Phoenix Squadron show up in the path of the Eye of the Scion. A little late there, Hera, but Morgan hypers. We see them there. Sabine sees them there. Morgan, who I know is a villain, gives two shits about it, turns on the hyperspace jump anyway, uh, evoking a Shannon said, the, the last Jedi, knocking out two of the X-Wing fighters, and I think killing them. Jason mutters a terrible version of I've got a bad feeling about this. And then we head back to the cliff, go out over the water. And suddenly Ahsoka comes into view larger than life. Is she alive? Is she dead? No clue. But we see after a few seconds that she is in the world between worlds. And we hear a familiar voice call her snips. And we hear that familiar voice say he didn't expect to see her so soon. She turns around, and it is a de-aged Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker in all his Clone Wars-looking glory. And Ahsoka has a mixture of awe, joy, wonder, confusion, and terror on her face as the episode ends with the final two notes of Vader's theme taking us to the end credits. Michael, a lot here at the end. Um, Sabine uh, giving the map to Balin, and then them taking off hyperspace Hera and the ramifications of all that, losing some members of the Phoenix Squadron, and then the world between worlds and Anakin. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, in the is Balin a villain or not uh, discussion, Balin uses a, like, a play right out of the dark side playbook on Sabine, which is mm-hmm. let me take the thing you want the most in the world and yeah. convince you that you need to do what I want you to do in order to get it. Uh, and he does it really effectively because, man, he is a smooth talker, that guy. Yeah, he but is. as I said earlier, uh, <laughs> new information here. New, yeah. like, 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 yes, definitely plays on Ezra being so important to her, saying, look, I can help you bring him back. I promise I'm not going to hurt you. I give my word. And I do think yeah. it is very cool. Again, what makes Balin cool is when Shin Hati then shows up and chokeholds Sabine, yeah, he's like, sure. cut it out. I gave my word. Like, he is, he might Noble. be a villain. He might be a villain, but he is a noble villain. Um, But I think the information that we get that is very interesting is what he says about Sabine and Ahsoka, which is that he basically says she didn't trust you and and that's why you lost your family. So if you know Rebels... Uh, the last that we saw of Sabine's family was on Mandalore mm. when she and Bo-Katan and her mother and her brother and all the clans came together to basically kick the Empire off of Mandalore and give Bo-Katan the Darksaber. So at that point in Star Wars history, pre uh, the Empire taking over everything, they were there. At the very end of Clone Wars, mm. when Ahsoka fights Darth Maul on Mandalore and then takes him off, we see Sabine's mom is there. Sabine's mom is there with Bo-Katan. So up, up to the moment that Order 66 happens, Sabine's mom is around. Now, we know from Mandalorian that at some point, uh, the Empire glassed all of Mandalore. All yes. the Mandalorians went off on their own, and Bo-Katan went on her journey. Mm. So around that time, I'm assuming... 
Sabine and Ahsoka were working together and something happened and Sabine wanted to do one thing and Ahsoka wanted to do another thing and Sabine lost her family, which is why Ezra is the only family she has left. So very curious as to what all this is, how it plays into both what we're seeing in Ahsoka, also the events that we've been seeing transpire with Bo-Katan's story in Mandalorian. But this is Dave Filoni taking all of the different threads that he's been weaving in these different shows and going, okay, here's where we're bringing them together. So all of that conversation was very, very exciting. And I think it was really great because we know that Sabine is making the wrong choice, but I think most of us would make the same choice that she does. Like it's that that's what's great about this moment is that Ahsoka straight up was like, you need to sacrifice Ezra. And like I said, at the beginning, we know she wasn't going to, and when she doesn't do it, not mad at her about it. Like we would all do the same thing in her position, I think. So I thought that was all really interesting. Um, yeah, Hera and our our boys showing up. Uh, a little, little, little too late, a little too late. We lost a couple, lost a couple of Phoenix Squadron there. Um, I liked Jason's. I have a bad feeling about oh. this for one reason. For one reason, one, it is basically like a Star Wars rule at this point that in every yes. movie somebody has to say they have a bad feeling about this. But with Jason saying it, it is the thing that you say in a star Wars thing, but also like he's got the force, like he's got, he's feeling some force shit, I think also. So I think it was a, it was taking the phrase and doing a little bit of double duty with it, which I was like, yeah, let that little green haired kid have a good moment. I like this kid. I like, I like Jason Sindul. I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board with him. Um, right, then, up, right up until Kylo kills him. Yeah, go ahead. But go ahead. Yes. Keep I swear to God. It is. I, I, there's only, there's only like I will I will accept that Grogu, you know, trained with Luke for a minute and then hightailed it out of there. But there's only so many Jedi in the galaxy at this specific point that you can justify didn't go to Luke Skywalker's temple. Yeah. It's like the hot place to go if you're a young kid with a high midi chlorian count. And the more of them that we meet, the more you're like, well, at least sixty percent of these kids are going just they're getting killed. They're all they're all getting killed. Um but yeah, then obviously the big moment, you know, Ahsoka, who, like I literally, like I said earlier, Fallen Jedi, I thought that it was going to be Ezra. And then I was like, well, oh no, Balin, we're going to get in, Balin's giving a big speech about, th- so okay, Balin's the Fallen Jedi because he left the order. Okay. Right. And then Ahsoka went over the cliff and I was like, ah, you got me. She's a fallen Jedi. It was a Shannon McClung level joke. Um, she literally fell. But yeah, when she when she opened her eyes and you were like, okay, so what's happening? There's some weird force shit. And my brother called it before I did. He was like, she's in the world between worlds. And she sat up. And I'm curious how deep they're going to go into this world between worlds. Cause it is yeah. a very confusing thing, even if you watched rebels. So I'm hoping she's just kind of there and we use this for where her and Anakin meet, but it's just sort of a cool looking place. And I don't know if we want to get too much into the time travel and the uses of it, but we'll see. Maybe that's how she follows Morgan. So it's going to be interesting to see how into it we get in the next episode, but yeah, hearing in live action, Anakin Skywalker say, Hey, snips. And then Ahsoka saying master and turning around and seeing him, even if his face looked as smooth as a plastic baby's butt, <laughs> it, it was just an awesome, awesome. Like it's a moment that you don't think you're ever going to get to see yeah. and to get to see it. Like, and I've said this before, like Ahsoka's relationship with Anakin is on par with Luke's relationship with Anakin. Like they are flip sides of the same coin as far as how important this person is in their lives. And knowing that we ended the episode with this and knowing that next week's episode is obviously written by Dave Filoni because they all are, but also directed. directed by Dave, but it's also directed by Dave Filoni that he was like, guys, this one's mine. <laughs> um, I am so excited to just see the the what this conversation is going to be i mean like this is the i'm sorry that i walked away from you maybe if i hadn't like what like what happened like why like like they're you know obviously they're not going to spend the whole conversation having a detailed discussion of everything that we nerds want to know but i think whatever they talk about is just going to be fascinating and i think we're really going to get to know a little bit more about how who ahsoka is now as this older master 
uh, and what is it she's carrying from her former master that is preventing her from doing everything that she needs to do with Sabine. So I think it's going to be really fascinating. And I thought it was a nerd moment to end all nerd moments, but was also really well done and powerful and effective for the story that they're laying out in these episodes. Yeah. If you're not going to do a flashback, this is the way to bring him in. And it worked so well in the episode as well. Shannon, your thoughts on these final moments here in this episode. And then boom, leading that big final moment at the end. Uh, so I'm going to start with that big final moment at the end because it's fresh in my head right now. Um, you know, of all the things that those two could talk about, and you know, as Vogel already said, we're not going to get, we're we're not going to get a sliver of what we want to hear. But I just want to hear Ahsoka say, "I met your son." Like I just want something like that. But in terms of what the plot needs, that's probably not it. Which is just such a bummer. <laughs> um, going back to Sabine having the map in her hand and the blaster up, threatening it. Um, Balin is the medicine she wants. Ahsoka is the medicine she needs. Mm. And it's like he, the way Ooh, he is able to put that's, things, that's um, he, he's, he's a warm blanket by a fire. It's just like it, what he is saying is what I want to hear. And from his point of view, from his mouth, it is just making so much sense right now. And, uh, you know, I know we haven't talked a ton about uh, Natasha Liu Bordizzo's performance, but this was a really, for me, this was a really, really strong one. You can see, uh, you can see the conflict on her face. Like, I know what Ahsoka said. I know what the right thing to do is, but I do not want to do it. Um, the moment that Shin does the does the force choke because we don't see Shin, it's just Sabine by herself, and I'm like that motherfucker. <laughs> it's, did he immediately go back on his word? And then we see it's Shin behind her, and his when he tells her to stop, like he is very serious. He's not dismissive about it. It's not like oh that's cute. My you know my my assistant is having some fun. He's very clear. Not Shin, stop. Yeah. You know, I, I'm keeping my promise, unlike her master. Like, ah, he's just such he's just such a fascinating character that, I, again, just for, for any of our audience that is not familiar with Ray Stevenson's work. I mean, this is just this is the this is the cherry on top of a career that was just too short. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then having the having the, the ships show up, uh, Hera and the in the Phoenix five, um, you know, we know what we know what is about to happen. Um, but the visual of that space ring launching into hyperspace with a velocity that we have never seen was just, again, just an awesome, awesome visual. Um, uh, and, and I gotta go, and I gotta agree with Vogel here. I thought that I've got a bad feeling. I think that was actually really good. Um, because the bad feeling that he's getting is, is those Jedi feels. And again, we don't know. We don't know where that bad feeling is coming from. Is it coming from the planet or is it coming from Morgan and and uh, is he is he bad or is he not <laughs> Balin going going into uh, going into hyperspace? Uh, yeah. The moment where Ahsoka wakes up, uh, the the expression on her face, that's not one we've seen from this Ahsoka. Mm. And it was really, really nice to hear. It was really nice to hear uh, to see immediately followed by the Vader theme. So it's like, all right, something, something bad is probably going to go down. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was one of those nice things. It was one of those nice things to see, but they're clearly telling us what we want to see isn't what we're going to see. I yeah. mean, I got to say when I just really quick, when we, when the star Wars rebels episode end of season two happened and Ahsoka confronts Vader and then like just fully cracks his it's, helmet, yeah, his helmet yeah. uh, before Obi-Wan Kenobi did it. And then you hear actual Anakin's voice instead of Vader's voice saying Ahsoka. And she turns around and sees the half of his face. That all by itself, I was like, this is one of the greatest moments in Star Wars. We're never going to see anything better than this. Never in my wildest dreams at that point in life was I like, we're going to get to see this reunion in live action post Return of the Jedi. Like, it's wild to me. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, loved what Balin did here. This is so, he uses the force, but he uses the empathy. I like the combo and the mixture 
Uh, it works, and uh, you may say that's villainous. I don't know if it's necessarily villainous. Uh, we, Skull we, Island over here. I'm, I'm just saying we've all used our honey traps to get the things that we want in life. So there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that if you if you think you're doing the right thing. And in his mind, he's very clear, as you said yourself, Bobo, very clear about what he's doing and why he's doing the things we just need to know, which I like the mystery of it all being there in the way that it is. Morgan, clearly the villain, as I said, trying to kill everybody in her path. Um, but I will say this, the Shin the Shin moment is interesting too, because that's a moment born of anger and frustration. She's attacking her from behind. So there's a lot in Morgan, sorry, in Shin Hati's background too that we don't know about. Where she, We're all speculating about where she might have been from. Clearly, she feels like a wild child that was found by Balin and he's been... Uh, teaching her ever since just the way she reacts to things throughout the whole episode it's not overtly wild like blah, blah, blah. it's more a matter of like she has this neat let's go let's go you can yeah. feel the anger and the thing coursing through her so when she hits sabine from or, or force chokes her from behind that's an anger childish tantrum thing to do because sabine got the best of her in, in that interaction uh, in the forest so it is so that for Balin to be like stop it and remember when she gets thrown against the wall Balin in no moment goes oh my god are you okay does nothing like that he focuses on Ahsoka even more so so just interesting little um, uh, clues about their relationship that they're dropping uh, and yes I agree with you when we get to that moment in the world between worlds we've never seen that look on Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka and it's a fantastic look the thing that People were hoping to see which the softer, playful, more funnier Ahsoka is here in that moment. But just before that look is over, you see a little bit of terror or horror come across her face. And when we hear the Darth Vader tones, I was wondering what that meant. And I saw someone speculate that it could be that it's not Anakin at all, that that's the brother. And remember, she has the sister's energy in her from the Mortis trilogy, and it could be the brother trying to fake her out there in the world between worlds to get what he wants. Maybe it's vengeance, whatever, but that could be something to explore. So maybe in the end, we still won't get this closure that we're desperate to have between Anakin and Ahsoka. And that could be an interesting twist. And if they pull it off correctly, it'll be awesome. If they don't, Star Wars fans are going to be super pissed. That I they mean, I'm going to tell you right now. So I, I love the Mortis arc as much as anybody does. Yeah. And all of David Filoni, Dave Filoni's weird for shit. <laughs> but in the in the list of things that are probably a bit too confusing to, to have Hayden Christensen show up at the end of an episode, yeah. and everyone who's not a Star Wars fan turns to their significant other and goes, "Okay, because like she left him, right? Like this is <laughs> this is that's what, yes." And if in the next episode he all of a sudden turns into the brother, and that poor spouse has to go, "Okay, so listen." <laughs> <laughs> there's these three weird people like it just it's too wall. much it's too much it's like that's right up there with Moroccan star killer like it is like okay everybody take a step back the reason that vader's theme played okay. is because anakin was vader this is five years after return of the jedi right, I know. he has been space hitler like yeah. that is a part of who he is at this point and he can't let go of that and so i think that this is a Anakin, who was redeemed. but he was redeemed. He was redeemed at the end of but Jedi. You, when you're redeemed of something, it doesn't mean it just disappears. It means you've moved past it, but it's still a part of you. Like mm. he turned to the dark side. He was fooled by yeah. Palpatine. Yeah. He became Vader. Yes, Luke redeemed him. Yes, in the last moments of his life, he found the goodness within him and came back to who he was, right. and thanked Luke for it. It doesn't mean that he all of a sudden wasn't space Hitler. So that's a part of him now. And I think that's kind of part of what we may hopefully explore a little bit in mm. this next episode, which I think is more interesting than if all of a sudden it was like, I fooled you. Ha ha ha. To awesome. me. Yeah. And no, that's fair. Totally fair. And I wonder if maybe, and I wonder if Hayden Christensen himself studied, um, uh, what's the uh, voice actors who did uh, Anakin's voice in the, in Clone Wars, is it Andrew Taylor or whatever his name is? There's something like that. I can't remember his name right now, but I uh, but I will say, yeah. Well, he did say when he did Obi Wan Kenobi that he watched a lot of Clone Wars. Yeah, so I like, think so, yeah. he adjusted his voice to sound like that version of Anakin because you're essentially seeing that version of Anakin in this moment. So I, I, I that's a great work by Hayden to do that. You know, so. Matt Lanter. 
Matt Lancer, sorry, Matt Lancer. Matt Lancer. So good job, obviously, there to to evoke that. So uh, we shall see. And, of course, we saw that in um, Kenobi, they kind of mixed all three of the voices together yeah. in certain moments. So it could be a part of that as well. So, all right, there you go. Any final words on this as we wrap up? We should wrap up here now. Uh, any final words? Uh, Shannon, uh, Mike and I have been going back and forth. Any final words on you? I just love that Vogel referred to Dave Filoni as David. <laughs> I did realize I was like, me and my good buddy David Filoni. I don't know why I don't know where that one came from. I literally just Googled his middle name. <laughs> like old David Philip Filoni. <laughs> That's not his middle name. I couldn't find it. Oh, okay. <laughs> DPF or not. Old yeah. DPF. <laughs> That's, That's it. All okay. All right. <laughs> Michael, any final words here, man? No, I mean, when I say that I cannot wait for next week's episode, I cannot wait for next week's episode. Like, I think we are going to have one hell of a Geek Buddies next week, so you're not going to want to miss it. Yeah, 100% agree with you all on that. Uh, All right, but there you go. That's our spoiler review for uh, episode four here, uh, Fallen Jedi of Ahsoka. Thank you very much for joining us, whether you're watching us or listening to us on the podcast feed. We appreciate it. Madly, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel and get called by your full Christian name, it's at MKToon. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca and talk about why Balin maybe isn't a bad guy, you can follow him at The Roca Says. <laughs> Uh, listen if you enjoyed jonathan steven roca and his crazy skull <laughs> island theories uh this is definitely the place for you uh, and here's what you can do to help us keep doing what we do smash that like button below check out all the awesome content that john has as an outlaw nation on his outlaw nation page leave your comments below what did you think of this week's episode what did you think of your Morocco theories literally going up in smoke and where do you think we are going next let us know below uh, if you're listening to us um on the podcast feed right now go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go yeah and please uh, please remember to subscribe to the channel it's a really big deal we just crossed thirty thousand subscribers thanks to all of you and thanks to all of my co-hosts like these two gentlemen who've been with it been on the channel since the beginning so i appreciate them madly appreciate you madly so let's get to fifty thousand subscribers i'm trying to do it by the end of the year we'll see but please come aboard if you haven't we would appreciate it all right y'all take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with a brand new spoiler review here of ahsoka on the geek buddies Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.